0: Hello, and welcome to the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast on the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Carrie Stevens, and I'm joined by my co-host, Allison Warner. We are the co-chief editors of Plastic Surgery Practice. Today, we are excited to have Dr. Alice Zerarian back with us to, to discuss body dysmorphic disorder, or BDD, among plastic surgery patients. It's a subject he recently wrote an article about for PSP. Dr. Zerarian is the founder of Zuri Plastic Surgery in Miami, where he specializes in aesthetic procedures of the face and body, including facelift, eyelid surgery, rhinoplasty, breast augmentation and reduction, abdominoplasty, liposuction, and the Brazilian butt lift. Dr. Zararian, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys having me on as always, and and, uh, great to talk to you.
0: We love it too. Um, So to start, in your plastic surgery practice, have you seen a rise of patients suffering from BDD, and what do you think has contributed to this surge?
1: Yeah, I I see a lot more uh, body dysmorphic disorder. And I think the problem is, is that as physicians, we are not being um, very keen on screening these patients. I think a lot of us um, don't really spend a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to make this diagnosis. We typically know when somebody is acting uh, in in a way that is out of the norm, but we're not really going anywhere beyond that to really pin down if they really do have the disorder or not. I have a, a background in psychology. That's my undergraduate degree. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very keen on, on, uh, you know, figuring out whether or not some of my patients are exhibiting these symptoms, because it's a red flag if they are, and you have to be very careful how you treat them.
0: Okay, so what are some of the top cosmetic procedures BDD patients requests? And why do you think that is?
1: So a lot of it has to do with facial surgery. Uh, A lot of them are looking at themselves in the mirror and uh, what they have is a minimal disfigurement, but they're uh, really internalizing it as something much greater than what it really is for, for the rest of us. You know, they have a delusional uh, distortion of their body image. Um, A lot of them have, you know, identity problems. Some of them have sexual ambivalence. Um, So it, it, it it happens a lot. Uh, Rhinoplasty is the classic you know, surgery that if you were going to pin down one operation that you really got to be careful with when it comes to body dysmorphic disorder, it's going to be rhinoplasty. And uh, with rhinoplasty in particular, you're looking for um, a mnemonic and, you know, we love, we as surgeons and, and doctors, we love mnemonics. I mean, that's the way that we we memorize a lot of the the, the, the you know, the amount of information that we have to cram in our heads in medical school. Um, so there's a mnemonic called Simon and uh, Simon stands for single immature male overly narcissistic. And um, that's the classic person that if walking in your in your surgical practice asking for a rhinoplasty or any other surgical procedure, if they fit that those categories, um, you're you, you know, you really got to really got to screen them. and And if you really are worried about them for those physicians that are listening to our podcast, you really have to send them to psychiatry. Uh, You cannot have any shame in that game, to be honest with you. You got to get them uh, to to see a professional. And, and uh, I think a lot of, a lot of us shy away from recommending psychiatry because the patient's going to get, you know, totally uh, offended or, you know, how could you send me to psychiatry? You know, like, you know, I'm not crazy. Uh, But, um, but if you don't do that, you're going to hate your life um, as a, as a surgeon because they're going to keep coming back to you and they're going to keep seeing something <clears throat> that is not real in the mirror, and there's no way to help that person through surgery. So you you really got to be careful with that.
0: I wanted to ask a, a question that kind of goes back to when we were just dis- you were discussing you know what is body dysmorphia and have you seen the rise in patients? Where does eating disorders fit into that? Because I read in your article, you mentioned the fact that, you know, eating disorders is common with or seen with patients who are seeking, seeking body contouring.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it's that, re- that negative relationship with food. And, um, you know, unfortunately, how a lot of patients, uh, you know, they yo-yo in their weight and, and they get into these, um, you know, bulimia episodes or anorexia episodes sometimes. Sometimes they're even mixed. Um, you know, from a psychological standpoint and, uh, yeah, I think these people, again, it all kind of ties into the idea of body image, uh, what they're seeing in the mirror versus what is the reality. And, um, yeah, this is an illness. This is a psychiatric illness. And just like an eating disorder is an illness. Uh, body dysmorphia is an illness. And, and, um, you know, there are a lot of patients in this subcategory that are also, uh, bipolar disorder. Um, They have a lot of anxiety, um, as well as some paranoia, you know, peppered into the whole the whole scenario. Um, and so, you know, they 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 also can have other attributes like they could be a little bit hostile uh, towards authority sometimes. Um, you know, they may see multiple physicians and then talk very poorly about you know your colleagues, about the other surgeons that they've seen along the way you know, saying things like, well, he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, he didn't want to offer me surgery, um, you know, but I know that you're the expert, Dr. Z. Like, I know that you're going to be the one to get me the rhinoplasty that is going to change my life. So, would so you do manipulation that? Yeah, a lot of manipulation, total manipulation. Um, and then it, and then it's, it's interesting, because if you dig deeper, they, they don't really have great social or emotional relationships with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, you can ask them like, you know, who, who's your closest friend? Or, you know, what's your relationship with your mother, your father, like, or maybe your siblings, you know, a lot of them are strange, they live alone. Um, You know, they don't have a lot of friends. Um, You know, so they're kind of like, you know, uh, they're in a very specific category of, of person. And they're also sometimes very confused and sometimes vague about what their motives are. You know, like, oh, why do you want to have surgery? Well, you know, they're, they're kind of vague. They're like all over the place. It's not because, well, listen, I got I have this hump that I really don't like. And then, you know, when you're examining them, like, yeah, you definitely have a hump. Like there's no question, um, you know, I can fix that hump. And they're like, that's all I want. All I want you to do is fix that hump. Like I've had it since I was 10 years old. And then you're like, okay, this, this is a reasonable person, you know? Uh, but when they start getting into this minutia, like oh, I want to lift my tip like one centimeter, and I want my nostrils to like you know be at this angle, and you know I want this and that. I mean, then you start to really start to question what what's the motive here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? So,
0: well, kind of on that front, what are you mentioned some in in essence that's somewhat about screening? But what are some of the ways plastic surgeons can screen patients for BDD, and how should they approach? patients that show signs of it. You talked a little bit about there, but could you go a little further?
1: Yeah. So I, I do think that it you're, you're going to have to take some time as a plastic surgeon reading up on BDD. Um, you know, you have to educate yourself, first of all. Um, I we don't, we don't expect that when patients walk in the door and you suspect that they have BDD, that you're going to have them take a personality test <clears throat> in your office. That's going to be really awkward, um, in my opinion. Um, I think your job is to have a pre-determ- a predetermined set of questions that you know that based on those answers is going to lead you towards that type of diagnosis, and and it's very simple, you know, um, you know, like we talked about a few of them, like for example, like what does your social relationships look like, um, you know, what what do you do for a living, uh, how long have you been at that job, uh, you know, you know, what's your relationship with your family like, um, you know, some of them have had like an unresolved um, episode of grief or a crisis in their life, uh, and they just kind of haven't gotten over that. So they they do what we would say is um, you know they 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 translate that into their physicality, into the way that they look, and they're and and they're seeing things that are not really there, um, but they're misdirecting their grief and they're misdirecting their anger and their frustration and their sadness onto themselves uh, physically. And, and the mind-body connection is is real. I mean, this, this, is, this, this is true. And I, I live it every day. Um, and I can give you plenty of examples of how the mind is very connected to the body and manifests itself physically, um, you know, a lot. Um, so, yeah, so you, you got to kind of read up on BDD a little bit more. You, you know, there, there are criteria for diagnosing it. Um, and, and you have to be uh, up to date on that. And as surgeons, you know, we're we're obligated to stay up to date on on all of these, you know, findings. Whether it's you know a surgical technique or an actual psychiatric diagnosis, you may not be a psychiatrist, but we are dealing a lot with human emotion in plastic surgery. Um, we're dealing with a lot of grief, with a lot of sadness, with uh, a lot of altered sense of self. Um, you know, and even when you do beautiful surgeries, you know, you let's say, you know, the, for example, yesterday I did a breast reduction on a a 16 year old uh, girl. um, And she came today for her first post post-op visit, looked at herself in the mirror. And it's a shock. It's a real shock when you go from like an F cup breast to a C cup breast or a D cup breast, Um, and that happens a lot. And initially it could be so shocking that they just want to go back to what they looked like before, because that's Mm -hmm. their comfort zone. And yeah, they really wanted the surgery and yeah, they really wanted the change. But your mind takes you know some time to adapt and to recognize that this is the new you. Um, it happens a ton in facelift surgery. My God, I mean, facelift surgery is probably the number one where people just look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I like what I'm seeing, but it's going to take me some time to adjust to this. Um, it's not going to be immediate. So so, yeah, it's it's, it's a serious thing to consider.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And you touch on this a little bit earlier, but can you talk about how the BDD patients react after they have had plastic surgery? Are they typically satisfied? Or are they dissatisfied?
1: Yeah, luckily, I've been really um, keen on not operating on those patients. <laughs> so, so I can't tell you I have like a, a, a strong experience or a lot of, um, you know, Uh, stories I can tell you about them. I mean, I've had what I would consider like borderline BDD patients. They may have not had like the full-blown diagnosis. um, But it's miserable as a surgeon, to be quite honest with you. Um, It's very frustrating. You have to humble yourself tremendously and you can't take anything personally um, because this is our art. You know, this is as plastic surgeons, we're manifesting our destiny to change lives and to, you know, create bodies that, Um, We find to be beautiful, but not only us, all of society, you know, or the majority of the society would find attractive. And so those are the standards that we live by and and every day. But when somebody comes in and, you know, you you nailed it, you hit it out of the park, you know, you take 10 people off the street and nine of them would agree that they look great uh, when they look at their before and after photos, um, you know, and they're and they're telling you they look the same. Nothing's changed. You know, I look terrible or, or, you know, this was this, this was a terrible investment. I should have never had surgery. Um, you know, it's, it's brutal. Um, it's hard to absorb that as a surgeon. So, you know, in as, as I mature as a plastic surgeon, I become more and more and more selective on who I operate on. And it's funny because when I was a, a resident and, I, you know, and I was training at the Cleveland Clinic, I had a, a couple of mentors that. They used to tell me that they used to say, listen, the the patient is is choosing you, but you need to choose the patient. Hmm. Um, It has to be a two way street. And if you don't feel like you're going to be able to operate on somebody and uh, and achieve what they're looking to achieve, then it's going to set you up for a lot of heartache and a lot of, you know, um, uncomfortable situations. So, you know, I would say that, you know, be careful, you know, who you're who you're operating on. Don't don't be so eager to to offer somebody surgery so quickly after meeting them. And and I would tell the young, especially the younger surgeons that are just coming out, um, you know, you can you can have somebody come back two or three times for a consultation like you don't have to have a one and done consult Um, if you're not sure if you got like a sixth sense, if the hairs on your back are standing up or on your neck. Uh, and this somebody's giving you like a weird, you know, you know, emotional vibration, you know, just say, hey, nice meeting you, but I'd really like to see you back here in a couple weeks or in a month to talk this over. I think this deserves more time, and then you can really figure out who this person is, if, or and if they're serious about surgery or not.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zerarian. This was so informative and I'm sure helpful for all of our listeners. Um, And to our listeners, be sure to check back soon on the Medcore Podcast Network for the next episode of the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast. And in the meantime, to catch up on the latest industry news, please check out plasticsurgerypractice.com. Until next time, take care.